Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. The new book in stores now by Judith Perrine Armour. It's titled In the Covenant of the Ark, A Prophetic Journey of Hope. This intertwines the author's journey with ancient prophecies revealing a God who heals and speaks into our lives. And I get to find out more about this book. Judith is here with me now. Judith, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Can you tell me what readers can expect when they open up in the Covenant of the Ark? I believe that the book has many layers to it. It's the chronicle of my spiritual journey. It flows from the charisma prophecy, where the prophetic has really become a lived experience for me. And in the end, I think God leaves us with a message for hope. But I think uh, also for the skeptic who doesn't believe in a God or is on the cusp of believing, that there's a little bit of proof that God is real, that he dwells among us, and sometimes he asks us to do extraordinary things. Definitely. Judith, what inspired you to write this? <laughs> it's really funny because every Lent I ask the Lord, show me my sin, my unconscious sin. What do others see in me? You know, and I was expecting the usual, the lack of humility, you know, those kind of things. And instead, the Lord said, it's a sin of omission. You have never written about your spiritual journey. Now, I am 77 years old, so my use-by date is coming up pretty quick, you know? <laughs> and so I said, oh, oh, groan. So I started writing the book, sort of feeling it was an assignment that I needed to do. I started it on Ash Wednesday, and I finished it on Holy Saturday. So truly, it was written within 40 days. And I sent it to one publisher and didn't hear anything back. And then all of a sudden, something popped up in my email, and it was Covenant Publishing. And I said, well, I'll send it to them. And it just went from there. And by Pentecost, I had it published. So this was quite an exciting experience. It was a whirlwind. Wow. So this is your first book then? You've never done this before? Well, I've never written a book before, but I was a scientist, so I wrote a lot of scientific articles based on my research. Well, Judith, you got to tell me about that day when you finally got your first copy in and you got to hold this for the first time. What was that like? Well, I have to admit, because I don't have a lot of creativity, when I saw the cover of it, it was sort of mind-blowing. It was just such a beautiful cover. And in fact, I just heard from someone yesterday that when she gave it to a friend, the friend just kept stroking the cover and just couldn't get past the cover. She said the cover itself spoke to her. So I think that was pretty exciting. Now looking down the road, do you see yourself doing it again? Do you think you got more books in you? No. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> at this age, you know, it was like, you know, I suppose if I had, you know, a direction to maybe take a little bit more of a spin-off in some of the details of spirituality, but Right now, I don't have any plans. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of doing this, Judith. So is there anything you got that you could offer as advice to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? Well, all I could say is, you know, if you have a book, step in faith and, and start to write and wait for the inspiration to come. 
working with Covenant Publishing has just been an amazing experience. I can't say enough good things about how they guided me through the process and through all the glitches. I had a computer that literally died a thousand deaths. I had Fios that went out for an entire week after I got my new computer, and mine was the only switch in the neighborhood that was bad. So be prepared for all those little glitches, and especially at my age, trying to get through all the electronic stuff was somewhat of a challenge. Would you say that was the most challenging aspect of the whole thing for you, just navigating all this new technology? Yes, absolutely. But fortunately, I have three kids that live nearby, and they're all computer savvy. So, you know, they come to the rescue when grandma's in trouble. Was writer's block, anything like that, ever an issue for you, Judith? No, you know, it really flowed in was the last two chapters of the book were so inspired that when I finished writing them, I looked and I said, oh, my goodness, I don't know how that came to be, because... It was sort of mind-blowing that just as I started to write, it was all coming to me and laid out in a beautiful fashion. And I think the conclusion to the book is one of great hope and promise. Again, the title of this is In the Covenant of the Ark, A Prophetic Journey of Hope. It's written by Judith Perrine Armour and is published by Covenant Books. So go wherever you buy your books and you can pick this up, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Judith, it's been really great talking with you tonight. Thanks for telling me all about In the Covenant of the Ark and everything else. I had a nice time with you. I enjoyed it, too. God bless. Here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're exploring the new book, The Adventures of Ms. Grundy Z. Leatherberry, Book One. It's a story of courage and humor in 1875 America. And I get to find out all about it. The author, Nancy Winniford, is here with me now. Nancy, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I appreciate you being here with me. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Nancy, what can people expect when they open up the adventures of Ms. Grundy Z. Leatherberry? Well, Ms. Grundy Z. Leatherberry in the book is an 18-year-old. She's young. It's 1875. She's heading out because she wants adventure. She wants to go west. She decides to be a prairie school teacher. So the first book tells about the first half of her travels as she goes through 1875 America by train. And she gets to find out what it's like in other places. She comes from a rural area and she visits New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and she has adventures in each of those places. One of the things that I do in the book is I figure my young readers may not know some of the historical things that were going on at the time. So, for instance, in New York City, she encounters elevated trains for the first time. So I have a little history blurb just right there in the book to tell them all about elevated trains so that they know there's photographs of the trains from the time period. And that gives them a little bit more to go on as they go through the story. Hmm. Nancy, what kind of a reading audience were you going for here? Elementary school, mostly nine years and older. I used to say nine through 12, but I've had some teenagers read it and tell me, Nancy, Nancy, you have to tell people older than that, too, because we love the book. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was like, okay, good. (laughs) When it comes to writing and being published and all of that, Nancy, are you new to this or have you done it before? This is the first time I've ever written a book. So, yes, this is my first published book. Congratulations. It's such a big deal. How long did this whole thing take you? Well, it took me five years to write the book. I did a lot of historical research before writing, 
And I kind of had a story in mind. I knew what I wanted to do, but I wanted to find out more about each of the areas that she would visit. Can you go back and think about when you were inspired to write it? What gave you the idea to start on this? So in the early 2000s, so I am also a storyteller. I've done that as a volunteer for 45 years. And in the early 2000s, I had the opportunity to work alongside an experienced storyteller and then take his place on the days when he was sick. And he was amazing. And he told me, you know, you're, you're really good at this. You should think about being a professional. And I said, well, my kids are really little right now, but when they grow up, I'll do that. So when they grew up, one of his first recommendations was write a book. So that's what I did. <laughs> Nancy, what would you say was the most challenging part of this whole thing for you? I think the most challenging thing is navigating all the new things that I've learned about, well, frankly, technology mm. and, and <laughs> publishers and how you sell a book. Because the writing, that came really naturally to me, and so did the research. I love to do the research. All that stuff was new. I was an elementary school teacher before I did this. so. I love kids. I kind of know what they're looking for. And so that's why I felt like, well, this, this is a great idea. Now, this is book one, The Quest for Adventure. How many of these do you have planned out? I have at least three planned out. So in the next book, she'll travel from Chicago to the Dakota Territory, the little area where she will be teaching school. And then, then in book three, she will be a school teacher. And then I have ideas for books beyond that. Right close to where she'll be teaching, there was a fort, and I thought, well, she could work at the fort for a while. She could work on a ranch. She could work on a mine. I have lots of imaginings, <laughs> <laughs> and I've visited the places, and I kind of know what I'm thinking about. And so at least three, but possibly more. I think children are really going to be into this book. Again, this is titled The Adventures of Ms. Grundy Z. Leatherberry, Book One, The Quest for Adventure. It's written by Nancy Winifred, published by Christian Faith Publishing, so pick it up everywhere that you go for books, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble, or iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Nancy, it was really wonderful having you on the show. Thanks again for being here with me. It's a pleasure talking to you, too. Thanks very much. A lot of us start feeling down during the cold winter months, and I'm looking at a book right now that takes a new perspective on seasonal affective disorder. It's titled, Why is Sam So Sad? Seasonal Affective Disorder and Depression from a Child's Perspective. It's written by Dan Granger, and I get to talk all about this right now. Dan is here with me on the show. Dan, welcome. Thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. I appreciate your time. And can you tell me all about what's inside Why is Sam So Sad? Yeah, it's a book about seasonal affective disorder. And when somebody gets sad or depressed, the dark days of winter, the lack of sunlight affects them. And in the book, I provide some remedies for that. And where did the idea, the inspiration for this come from? Well, personally, I have sad. So mm. one day I just kind of decided I need to write a book about this. When the dark days of winter come into play, it's harder for me to kind of be happy. And so I've been with it for my whole life. And I've just decided, hey, you know what, maybe more people need to hear about this. And it needs to be something that more people know. So this is from a child's perspective. Would you say then it's a children's book geared mainly toward kids? Yes, it's a children's book. It's a picture book. I see it more for tweens and teens. I wrote it with the intent that maybe 
fifth grade or fourth grade, and then on to maybe somewhere around middle school. But depression is kind of hard to talk about with the younger kids. Mm. So it's kind of an abstract thought. But that's pretty much what this book is about, is depression, because it's a part of depression. So I, I leave some remedies for that, too. Mm. You said this is a picture book. What was that like, working with the illustrations and getting those all lined up? It was one of the coolest things I've ever done, because mm. every time that there was something new, it went from sketches to color to deciding what your cover was going to be. And every time I, it was something new, I looked forward to that. And it was just creating it was little by little. And I've never done this before. And it was just so incredible to have this process. It was your first book, like you said. How long was that process? Did it go on for a while? You asked the perfect question. <laughs> How long did it take you to complete the book? 2020 is when I started it, and 2023 is when I stopped. So I started in 2020, and I just wrote some factual words down. Then I added clip art in 21, and then I signed the contract in 22. Then the book got created in 23. Then before the book actually came out, there were a bunch of mistakes and stuff on it, and then that took forever. <laughs> and so I had the book in hand, but then I made a mistake on it with the book in hand, and so I had to have them go back and fix it. But because we fixed it, there were a bunch of things that needed to be done. Then there were some mistakes in the book itself. And had to be revised. Like there was ink marks all over the every time I had a revision. And it took like three weeks to have a revision. Mm. So it took forever. Well, what part of that whole process would you say was the most challenging for you? Good question. Well, I don't know about the book itself, but actually getting out there and talking about it and just saying, okay, I'm going to actually tell people about this because depression is not something you go out and tell people about. In the book, I talk about how he's going through this and he wishes he could just leave a cold place and go somewhere else. And then the last part is he wishes, you know, that other people knew about this, but it's kind of not that he's going to talk about it. You got to tell me about that day. This was years in the making. What was that day like for you, Dan, whenever you got to hold this thing in your hands for the first time, that first physical copy? That was super cool. Very, very cool. Holding it in my hands and knowing that, you know, all my work didn't go unnoticed and my sacrifice. However, the coolest part about that is when I revealed it to my family. We had a milestone birthday and we were in a different state. And I showed my family who I kept quiet about. They didn't even know. <laughs> and I revealed it to them. And then, yeah, it was super cool. And my legs were shaking. I'm like, I'm like, can I tell you about this? And can, before we leave, can I show you my book? And they're like, what? And then I showed them the book and everybody's like, wow. And we like got pictures and stuff like that. <laughs> and I made this book kind of with my mom. She helped me edit it. So that's even a better memory that I'll always have. Well, what an important book this is. It has a great message. I think children are going to love it. Again, this is titled, Why is Sam So Sad? Seasonal Affective Disorder and Depression from a Child's Perspective. This is written by Dan Granger. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so pick it up anywhere, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dan, thanks again for coming on the show. I had a really nice time talking with you. I had a great time talking with you. Thanks for the opportunity. The new book I have here by Christy Sluter is a poetic children's book, and it involves using your imagination. It's titled Violet's Good Night Game, and I get to find out all about it. Christy, the author, is here with me now. Christy, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. Christy, can you tell me all about Violet's Good Night Game? What can readers expect here? Well, it's a book about a little girl that her mommy tucks her into bed, but like so many of us, she can't go right to sleep. So she knows she's not supposed to get up. So she just uses her imagination to play a little game till she's finally able to fall asleep. And this is a children's book. What age ranges were you thinking of here, Christy? Probably three to seven, eight, something like that. I'm actually surprised at the kids from Friends who have read this to them and say, my eight-year-old loves it, my six-year-old loves it, you know. So it was a broader range than I actually thought would enjoy it, but it seems to appeal to a pretty wide range of children. Can you tell me about how you got the idea for this, how you were inspired to write this book? I used to tell my kids stories going to, you know, sleep, and I've always been into poetry. I've always written poems, and it just kind of evolved into telling the kids a story, which my daughter's name is Violet. Mm. So that's my inspiration for the name, and I just started making this story up. I told them the story and thought it might have a chance at being a good book, so I just wrote it down and took a chance. <laughs> Christy, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing and publishing, or are you new to all this? This is my first publishing experience. I've written, you know, I've journaled and written poems for friends' weddings and things like that my my entire life. But this is just the first time I've actually put myself out there and tried to have published. Your first time publishing. Did this take a really long time then to do? You know... Not to tell my age, but when I first wrote the story, internet and and everything wasn't as available. So this story has been around in my head for a long, long time. And I just didn't have all the tools I needed to get it published. And then with the course of, you know, Googling it, you can Google anything and find it nowadays, you know. And with, you know, the advances in technology, I was able to find a publisher who was very interested in the rest of history. Christy, do you think we'll see a follow-up to Violet's Goodnight Game or another book from you in the future? I would love to do a follow-up. You know, it just depends on if anybody is interested in seeing a (laughs) follow-up. I have lots and lots of ideas in my head. I just haven't written them all down, but I actually have ideas to make it kind of a series-type book. Well, this book was a really long time in the making, so whenever you got that physical copy in that first one, you finally got to hold your book in your hands, Christy. What was that moment like for you? It was just pure joy, pride, amazement that I finally did it. There were tears of (laughs) happiness, you know. It was actually not as painful of an experience as I thought publishing it. I just felt like I had accomplished a lifelong dream, and it was just a wonderful feeling. Based on that whole experience, that whole journey through publishing, do you have any advice now that you could offer to aspiring authors? Just don't give up. If you feel like you do have a story to tell, there's people out there that want to read it. And, you know, never, never underestimate yourself because it's a talent, it's a gift, and I believe it's given to us for a reason. And, you know, your point of view might be the one that millions of people are looking for. So don't give up and just persevere. So when you're writing your poetry, Christy, do you ever deal with writer's block or anything like that where just the words aren't there for you? 
Yes, I actually do. I If I try to sit down and force it, and I'm blocked. I just walk away because it just—it's not ready. Mm, that's wise. Well, I think children are going to love this poetry, love this whole book. Again, it's titled "Violet's Goodnight Game." It's written by Christy Sluter and is published by Newman Springs Publishing. So you can find it anywhere, like Amazon or Barnes and Noble or iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Christy, it's been really nice having you on the show and talking with you here tonight. Thanks again for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Readers of the new book by Donna Schombach will discover how Christmas can be a beacon of hope even in life's most challenging moments. The book is titled Christmas at Woodlet Cove, and I get to talk all about it. The author, Donna, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Donna, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's my pleasure and honor, Corey. Thank you. It's my pleasure as well, Donna, to be speaking with you. Can you tell me all about Christmas at Woodlet Cove? What will readers find here? Well, this is a book that was written. It was actually inspired by a real-life experience that I had. And the intent behind it was to give people who've had brokenness in their life that they feel may not be able to be fixed, maybe even to the point of darkness, that there's light that there's hope and there's always opportunity for restoration. Great message. What were those real-life experiences, Donna, that led you to write this? Well, I'm a traveling minister, and I was invited to the Northwest uh, around the Seattle area. The minister wanted me to speak in his church, but he had me stay at the home of his parents, who were retired pastors. And the place that I stayed was just in the most beautiful setting, It overlooked the Puget Sound. It was in a huge log retreat center with plate glass windows, and Mm. they put me in the garage loft, and everything about it was a fairy tale. Mm. The best part about the visit was these parents, these retired pastors, the way that they honored me as a person, the way that they responded spiritually, you could just feel that their love for Christ was a reality, and there was something healing in it. And I began to think about, wouldn't this be awesome if there were more opportunities for people to experience the life of Christ in a healing environment? and really get some restoration and healing that might be needed. So that was really the inspiration behind it. I had never written a fiction work before. The story just kind of came to me as I decided, I'm going to put this into a story form and see what God does with it. And that's how it was birthed. So being this was your first book, was it something that took you a long time to produce then get published? Well, I have written of course, nonfiction before, and those are a little bit more grueling because I'm a teacher by heart and by career. You know, there's a lot of research that has to be done. And with this particular book, even though there was some research behind it, it seemed to flow. I I mean, honestly, I have never had that kind of experience with writing before. The whole story came together. When I was a young writer, I never really wanted to do fiction because I didn't think I was that great a storyteller. But I feel like this one, I don't know, it kind of wrote itself. It was just something that all of the elements were there. And a lot of people, they're familiar with the Hallmark Channel at Christmas, and I've watched my share of this. But there's just something about that type of a setting that makes a great story. 
So all those elements seem to come together. And rather quickly, I would, to answer your question specifically, I think the entire book came together about three or four months total. And what was it like when you finally got to hold it, when that first copy came in and you got to see this thing physically? What was that like? I was elated. They did such a beautiful job with the cover, and they captured my heart mm. with even the way they printed it. And you know, there's, it's like a little, it's your baby, you know. Mm. <laughs> it's your child, and it feels good not just to hold it in your hands, but to know that it might potentially help somebody down the road. So now to you, after doing all this writing and publishing, what's the most rewarding aspect to you of being a published author? When you actually hear people say, I have a daughter that needed this book. It was just on time. It brought her great hope and encouragement. Please let me know when your next one's coming. (laughs) When you know you're touching people's lives, that's the blessing of being able to be creative and share that with other people. Well, this sounds like such a wonderful book. I know readers out there are really going to enjoy it. Again, it's titled Christmas at Woodlet Cove. It's written by Donna Schombach and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So go over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores and you'll be able to get this. Donna, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me all about this. I had a really nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you, Corey. Likewise. And blessings to all who are listening today. There's an epic story told in the new book by Frank Digweed. It's titled Silent Survival, and I get to talk all about this book. The author, Frank, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Can you tell me what readers can expect here in Silent Survival? Well, the book Silent Survival takes place in the mid-1800s. The story begins with the immigration of an Irish family to America. These folks, they land in Boston, Mass. And from there, a couple of members of the family journey west. They claim a homestead land, and they build a farm. Now, the whole story revolves around all the hardships that this one family endures just to start a new life. And, you know, I think the reader will find between the covers love and hate, honestness, injustice, greed and violence. And a whole lot of racism. There's lots of mystery, too. The book's got many twists and turns. In the end, it'll show how good overcomes evil and how strength can rise up to avenge injustice. It's going to keep you on your toes. Well, Frank, what kinds of readers were you writing for here? Who do you think would be really into this? I think that anybody that enjoys a story of history that's filled with suspense and intrigue, they'll like the book. There's a lot of interaction of forces, powerful people competing for land. I think people are going to enjoy this. Well, Frank, how did you get the idea for this story? What inspired you? Well, I was inspired by some of the reading I did and also by my grandfather. I always wanted to write a book, but I didn't know if I could do it or not. And he always told me, don't ever be afraid to try something different. So that's pretty much my inspiration. Mm, So this is your first book, the first time you've been published. It is. It is the first book I've published. Quite an adventure. Wow, congratulations. How long did this all take you? Well, it took me quite a while. A good two years. That's a count all the rewrites and a whole bunch of editing. Then when that day came and you finally got the first copy, you got to actually hold your book for the first time, Frank. What was that moment like for you? Well, 
I've got a sense of accomplishment, I guess you'd say, and I had succeeded in doing something that's way outside my comfort zone. I'm a machinist by trade, so this is quite a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been good. I've learned a lot. Hopefully I put something out that the reader's going to really like. You just mentioned that you learned a lot along the way of doing this. Do you have any advice now that you could offer to authors who are just starting out? Yeah, I, I would say, like my grandfather, I said, don't be afraid to try something new. Mm. If you do this, you should be prepared for some hard work. Don't get discouraged, and above all, enjoy the whole experience I did. Well, Frank, have you given thought to writing more, maybe doing a follow-up to this one, or something maybe different in the future? Yes, I have. You know, I've got a rough draft, and I think that possibly I'd take this storyline and the characters in it and then move it on to probably another later time. The people would age and they'd have children and they'd move the whole storyline up the whole time segment. Now, earlier we mentioned the publishing process, the rewrites and everything involved in that. Frank, what did you find the most challenging aspect of that publishing process? Well, I was not so much challenged about using my imagination and creating the story. But getting familiar with my computer and putting everything together in a proper form. Like I say, I've never written anything before, so it's quite a different experience. <laughs> Did you find yourself getting writer's block at any point? Oh, yeah. I think I picked this thing up and put it down oh, a whole bunch of times. I think my grandfather, I keep coming back to him because he said, don't ever give up on something, you know? And I put a lot of work into it. And the more work I put into it, the more, more of a challenge it was. And the more I was determined to bring it to an end. Now that you're a published author, Frank, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? My sense of accomplishment. Like I said before, I'm a toolmaker by trade. And just to pick up something like this that I've always wanted to do and bring it through the completion is really, really, really satisfying. I think a lot of readers are going to love this story. I encourage my listeners to go check it out. Again, it's titled Silent Survival. It's written by Frank Digweed, published by Newman Springs Publishing, and it's available everywhere, so head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this up. Well, Frank, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me all about this. I had a nice time talking with you. Okay, well, thank you. We're going to be talking about an audiobook now that tells us about the lives of the men and women in uniform who save lives. It's titled Concrete Lifeguards. It's written by Stephen Bialik, and Stephen is here with me now, and we get to talk all about this book. Stephen, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Stephen, can you tell me all about Concrete Lifeguards? What will people find here? Yeah, well, it's about a New York City Fire Department, EMS, from 1991 to 2002. This all came about because of COVID. Everybody was on lockdown. Right. And what we would used to do, just like the New York police, we had memo books and we would write little notes on particular jobs that we did during the day of that shift. Basically, I had 30 years worth of notes oh, wow. I went through. Yeah, I always wanted to do a book about this, but I just kind of never thought I'd end up doing it. After 10 years when I was writing, I guess 2002, after 9-11, I basically kind of stopped because everything was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I went back and, and had to uh, decipher my own handwriting, which is pretty <laughs> difficult from 30 years ago. Unfortunately, my wife passed from COVID also. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, and the book gets dedicated to Jeannie Dugan. You know what I mean? Just like anything else, life goes on. But the, the book is about the EMTs, the medics, the firefighters for the 10 years from 91 to 2001. And everything was all great and everything until 9-11. And then it became a reality. Well, what was it like for you, Stephen, whenever you got the first copy and you got to hold a physical copy of this book you've been working on? Basically, I was kind of surprised. I did it. That was the thing. Mm. It took me a while, 30 years, and I had some help. He was a uh, New York City police officer. He writes science fiction, so he kind of knew the ins and outs of publishing. Like I said, we kept going over my notes, and he's like, what does this say? And I go, ah, <laughs> I'm really not sure. I'm retired 10 years now from fire department. And people ask, so when are you going to come out with book two? And I said, listen, I'm freaking 63. It took me 30 years to write this book. I'll be 93. I said, if it comes out with another book, it's going to be either Connect the Dots or a coloring book. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of publishing here, Stephen. So do you have any advice now that you could throw out there for aspiring authors? Well, I had an excuse. It was more of, you know, COVID. People out there, they don't have to wait for another COVID. Nobody wants uh, another COVID. But you just got to make some time, maybe a day or two when you're off. You have to write notes. That's what I would recommend. If people, especially now in this type of field, you know, it was also type of a therapy also. After each job, when I first started, it's not like TV. Believe me, it's not like TV. When I got home, I would write it down. This way, I would remember. Well, Stephen, now that you're a published author, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? I've donated some of the uh, proceeds to fire department, burn unit, stuff like that. Here and there, I'll speak to people. People want pictures, so I do that. Nine times out of ten, I'll give them a book. <laughs> they don't have to go on Amazon. I'm still involved with retirees. They run into problems, too. You know, give out gift cards here and there if anybody's got any financial problems. Like I said before, life goes on. Keep chugging along. Well, I think that audiobook listeners are really going to love this book, and I encourage my listeners to seek it out. Again, the title is Concrete Lifeguards. It's written by Stephen Bialik, published by the Audiobook Network, so you can get it everywhere that you pick up your audiobooks. Go on over to Audible or iTunes, Amazon, you'll be able to find it. Stephen, thank you again for joining me on the show and telling me about your stories and about this book. I had a nice time talking with you. It's a pleasure. The book we're going to talk about now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is a new 30-day devotional. It's titled Satan, Suicide, and Sanctuary. It's written by Don Early, and we're going to talk all about it. Don is here with me now. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course, the pleasure's mine, Don. Can you tell me all about Satan, Suicide, and Sanctuary? What do readers find here? This book will tell the journey that I went through of a time when I had a suicide attempt. It took me three years to sit down and write my story I think because the numbers have been increasing so much, I just felt like people ought to know what it's like for somebody like me that 
would not even think about an attempt that could be pushed to that limit. So it involves bullying in the workplace, internet harassment, things you just don't want to go through. Is this primarily for people who have experienced these things? I would say it would be for anyone who experiences anxiety, depression, bullying, especially if you're a person that has never thought about a suicidal ideation before and you never thought you would, but you may find yourself in a situation one day that you cannot handle. And how long did this take you to write, Dawn, once you had decided to start on it? When I sat down, probably about three to four months, it it just, the words flowed. I prayed over it really hard, and the scriptures came, the words came, the pictures, the illustrations, the title, it just all fell into place. Don, can you go back and think about that moment that you decided, hey, I want to sit down and get started writing this book? I think when I finally was able to comprehend through therapy, one, therapy's a great thing that... There's all types of people in the world. There's all types of emotions in the world. But we never talk about mental health straightforward. Mm. It's never discussed of, oh, well, you know, they're just crazy. Let's just leave them alone. That's not the case. You know, we're all connected and we all have troubles and we should all kind of reach out and be a little kinder. Mm, I love it. Now, what was that moment like for you, Don, whenever you opened up your mailbox and there it was, your first copy of Satan's Suicide and Sanctuary and got to hold your book and there it is, your name's on the cover and everything. What was that like? I had excitement. I squealed. It, it was just it was just one of those moments of like, you did it. You accomplished this and you did it and you told your story and you're praying that it's going to get out there. I looked a hot mess that day, and I just, but I took my picture holding my book. Looking down the road, do you see yourself writing, maybe publishing more? I write a lot. I write a lot of Bible studies. I have written two, and I like to write lessons. You know, a lot of times my husband, he's a music minister, and, you know, sometimes he'll kind of be playing around with an idea, and I'll just sit down and research a little bit and, you know, write some things for him. Now, to go through that publishing process, it can surely be a learning experience. What did you find the most challenging part about that for you? The waiting. (laughs) Each little step, you know, you're like, okay, this is going to take this long, and this is going to take this long. And I'm like, I just really want to see the book. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any advice now that maybe something you learned along the way that you could put out there for the first time or the aspiring authors? I would say if you have a story and you want it told, sit down, write it. You're not going to be perfect at it, of course. I wasn't. I mean, my first draft that came back was a lot of red marks, <laughs> just little things, but it was still red mark. And it's kind of like, oh, is my English that bad? You know, is my grammar that bad? But, you know, it's helpful. And, you know, let your friends read it and get unbiased opinions. You know, you might get your feelings hurt a little bit, but I would rather somebody say, okay, you know, this part didn't sound just right. Maybe you ought to reword it. I think this book is going to help a lot of people out there. I encourage my listeners to seek this one out for sure. Again, it's titled Satan, Suicide, and Sanctuary. It's written by Don Early and is published by Covenant Books. So you can find it everywhere. Head over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this one up. Don, thanks again for coming on the show. Tell me all about this book and a little bit about your story. I had a nice time. Thank you. I did, too. You have a good day and a happy Merry Christmas. 
There's a new audiobook just came out written by Richard Osterman. It's titled Witches. And I get to find out more about this book. The author, Richard, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Richard, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too, Richard. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect in Witches? A story about a young man that travels around his old country, you know, that his adventures as he's going along. There's love involved, even his love of his life, and he meets the king and the queen of his country. So, Richard, where did the idea for this book come from? How were you inspired to write this? The idea came from a dream, not where most of my writing comes from. And the dream was the first chapter of the book. Then how long did it take you to write it once you sat down and started on it? Three months. Then you have the publishing process after that. Was that a long one for you, or did that go quickly? It amazed me. It was shorter to find a publisher who was shorter than I ever thought it would be from everything I've read on publishing. As I went self-publishing, I talked to a lady in one of the companies, and she said, do you have one sentence? And I said, yes, and I sent her it. And she said, you have to take it into the review committee, and it'll probably be two weeks before she hears back. The next day, she called and said, you're in. I'm sending you the paperwork. So is this your first time publishing, then? First time. Oh, is there any aspect of that that you found particularly challenging? No, it went real smooth for me, or as I could tell. I mean, my first time doing it, so I didn't really know what to expect, and it just seemed to flow real well. I liked the people at the company, and they did what they said they were going to do. Richard, what was it like getting your first copy and holding that for the first time? When I got the book published, I couldn't believe that I had actually written that book. And every time I read through that book, I laugh and think, how did I do this? Because I just sit down. I don't do any research. I just sit down and write. Have you ever found yourself getting writer's block when you sit down to write, Richard? No, I haven't. I have been writing the novels since 2016. I wrote my first novel. Since then, I have written 17 novels and half a dozen short stories. But I don't know where it comes from. If I was not a writer the rest of my life, you know, I'm 79 years old. And it just, it's been just fun doing it. So for you, Richard, now that you're published, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author? Watching the reactions of people that look at the book and say, you wrote this, that they're surprised. And they're amazed, too, because some of them would come back and say, that is an excellent book. So now that you've published for the first time, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way, Richard. Do you have anything as far as advice that you could give to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? I would say that for someone that's just getting in who wants to be an author, they need to sit down and write every day. Set a time to actually sit down and write. If you get to where you're, you know, and stick with it. Because what your ideas might just be a best-selling novel. But you won't know it if you don't write it down or put it on paper or in the computer. So, Richard, who inspires you whenever you write? You, you write an awful lot. You're prolific. Do you have somebody in your life who keeps you inspired and encouraged and motivated? My wife was the one that inspired me. I lost her two years ago. And now my sisters are inspiring me. You know, I'm working with a novel right now. I have 191 pages in it, 60,000 words. And before it's done, it'll be in the 70,000 word range. And when I finish a chapter or two, I take it to my sister and they read it over and they like it or they say, no, no, this is not, that doesn't fit in here. 
Was it tough for you to find just the right voice for your book? They provided me with three different people reading my book, and I chose which one I liked best. Again, I had my sisters listen to it, and some other people listened to them, all three of them, and they individually chose the same one. Well, I think there are a lot of readers out there, and listeners in this case, to the audiobook who are really going to enjoy it. Again, it's titled Witches. It's written by Richard Osterman, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So, of course, you can get it on Audible or the iTunes Store or Amazon, everywhere you pick up your audiobooks. Richard, thanks again for joining me here tonight and telling me about witches. I had a nice time chatting with you. Thank you for having me. There's a new audiobook. It just hit stores, written by Joseph Scott West. It's titled The Beginning of Hatchet Man. And I get to find out all about this book. Joseph is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joseph, thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Joseph, can you tell me all about the beginning of Hatchet Man? It's about two teens. I've got abused by the parent, sex abuse, abuse, bullying, and other things. Nobody helped them out. So one thing they can do is kill people to end the pain. Joseph, what sort of reading audience did you have in mind for this? It's for everybody, teenagers, adults, it could be for anybody. And what gave you the idea for the plot of this book? Well, things happening, stuff, and I guess thinking about how to make it come alive, you would say. I just took some time thinking about it, how to write it, and you come to me. We saw a lot of people being abused and gotten a bike to app them. Mm. So the only thing they can do is let out the pain. So that's given me an idea to write this book. Joseph, have you written and published before this, or is this your first book? This is my first time. Oh, congratulations. Did it take you a really long time to write and put through that publishing process? It took me about a year to do it. And it took me some couple months to figure out I can write it, figure out the people, what the name's going to be. It took a couple months to do it, and I finally got an idea of it, and I just started writing it in the last year, and it took me about a year to write it. And it happens to all of us authors from time to time, and that's writer's block. Joseph, is that something that you encountered with this? Yes, a lot. Oh, how do you get through that? Take the time out, bang, I take some break from it mm. and start thinking some more ideas for the book and ever come to me and well one thing leads another thing i brought in the book <laughs> <laughs> and i could only imagine that moment that you open your mailbox and there's a box full of the first copies of this book and uh, what was that like talking about the physical copy after my also told me i got proof of my be author stuff and she sent me the copies of my book, and I was speechless. Tell you, I was in shock. Now, for the audiobook version of this, Joseph, what was it like hearing your book as opposed to reading it off the page like you were used to that whole time? It was a lie, was a lie, very first time. It make me make people see it how it is in the book, and you realize it in your head, and be you'd be fired. It gave me my wife gift box. When you were looking for that narrator to read this book, was it a challenge to find just the right voice that you were looking for? Yeah. They gave me 30 people, I believe. And then they sent me the copies of it. I had a print of it, dog print of it, 
And the last two, they did not come aboard a life like the third one did. And the guy who done it, I was very pleased with him. And he put his soul, his star, and his heart in a book. And that's what I'm looking for, and that's what I want. Now looking down the road, Joseph, have you thought about writing more and getting more published in the future? Yeah, um, after I got a new book coming out soon, I'm wrapping that up soon. It's uh, we master of beginner of Hatchman, and this tells everybody how Tommy become what he is that day by his mom's dad. And I got half of that done already, and I'm taking my time, like I said. It takes some time to do it, and I want to make both gifts coffee for my fans and other people who want to leave the book. So you've written your first book, and I'm sure it was quite a learning experience. So based on that, Joseph, do you have any advice now that you could offer to the aspiring authors? You got to take time, think through, make a plan, come up with ideas, and put your plan to work. It is not easy to do. Put your mind to it, put your heart, and eventually you're going to get published by somebody. Well, I think a lot of readers and listeners, in this case to the audiobook, are really going to love this. Again, it's titled The Beginning of Hatchet Man. It's written by Joseph Scott West, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So head over to Audible or iTunes or Amazon, and you'll be able to find this. Well, Joseph, I really appreciate you coming on the show here today and letting me know all about your audiobook. I had a nice time chatting with you. Well, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 